Our scripture reading this morning is found in Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23. It's not often that you get a chance to read through Leviticus, but today we'll be looking at this chapter. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. If you don't have your own Bible, our ushers do have Bibles available. They're in the back. You raise your hand, they'll bring one right to you that you can use throughout our service this morning. I'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, which is our custom here at Sweet Communion. You can follow along with me reading Leviticus 23 in its entirety. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation, You shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And he shall wave the sheath before the Lord, so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave your sheath, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old, without blemish, as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the grain offering with it shall be two-tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hen. Ye shall, neither eat, ye shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statue forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheep of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved, made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. You shall present with the bread seven lambs, a year old, without blemish, and one bull from the herd and two rams. They shall be a burnt offering to the Lord, with their grain offering and their drink offerings, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You shall offer one male goat for a sin offering and two male lambs a year old as a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. 
and shall make a proclamation on the same day. You shall hold a holy convocation, and you shall not do any ordinary work. It is a statute forever in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleaning after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blasts of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now on the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation, and you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. You shall not do any work on that very day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that day shall be cut off from his people. Whoever does any work on that day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall not do any work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. You shall afflict yourselves. On the ninth day of the month, beginning at evening, from evening to evening shall you keep your Sabbath. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of this seventh month, and for seven days is the Feast of Booths to the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times, <clears throat> as times of holy convocation. For presenting to the Lord food offerings, burnt offerings, and grain offerings, sacrifices, and drink offerings, each on its proper day. Besides the Lord's Sabbaths, and besides your gifts, and besides all your vow offerings, and besides all your freewill offerings, which you give to the Lord. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you are gathered in the produce, when you, are, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. You shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the Lord, in the year. It is a statue forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generation may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Thus Moses declared to the people of Israel the appointed feasts of the Lord. Let's pause now for a word of prayer. If you remain standing with me, a word of prayer. Then after prayer, our choir will come for special music. And then after the music, the preaching of God's word today. 
And then today what we're going to do is after we close service over here, we're going to join in the room next door and we're going to gather. We're going to be seated as quickly as possible. Um, and then I'll make some uh, a few announcements and things before we get into our meal. Right after our meal, we're going to have just a short time of um, service and worship and celebration. During that time, we're going to have some shared testimonies. It's been three, three and a half, four months since we've had testimony time here in the Lord. So I'm, I'm interested in how God has, has blessed your life. I'm telling you now so that you can think and plan that. It won't be time for everybody to speak, but I'll, we'll point maybe three, four, five, six people. We'll see how that goes. But be thinking now of what you might share in your testimony, and uh, you can make it concise and brief as possible, and then share that in our service in this afternoon. We're going to do a few other things in that service. It's going to be a short service. It's going to be a good time. We're going to enjoy that, and we'll close out for today. This is going to become the standard on our last uh, Sunday of the month. I'll speak more about that as we get into things. So let's have a word of prayer and then a song from our choir. Father, we thank you for this gathering today. We pray that you would bless us as we look into your word, as we worship, as we fellowship together today, that you might speak through your word in this fellowship today to encourage your people, to feed your people, to challenge and rebuke where that is necessary. Um, we just pray and thank you for this time together. We do pray for um, the needs in our midst. We think of physical needs, Lord. I, I pray for my father-in-law, Mac Holt, who's uh, just continued to be in a hospital. Um, we know, Lord, because of his age that his, his illness of, is of grave concern. And so we pray. We thank you for every sign that we've had that, that he perseveres and does well. But we do pray and thank you that he's in your hands. And we know, Lord, that um, at some point you're going to take him to yourself. And so just prepare our hearts, Lord. Help us to minister to one another. We pray for Jackie, his wife, that you would just continue to strengthen and bless her, um, encourage her, use her family, her children, Lord, and her church family to be an encouragement to her. Both of these, both Mac and Jackie, have been so instrumental in my life in this church ministry and I just praise you for them and I pray that you would just give them grace to go through this time uh, that they go through right now um, so Lord may your comfort may your Holy Spirit may your hand be upon them both uh, for what you have ordered in their life that they'll continue to be the testimony that they have been that you would have them to be uh, for others who see I pray for that entire family, Lord. I pray for my dad as well, Lord, in his condition, that you would just continue to watch over him, that you would um, be with my mom as she cares for him and uh, his needs, Lord. We know um, at 91 years old that, uh, that uh, he has had a full and a good life, and we just pray for your grace during uh, this time of transition from this life until eternity that you would allow him to have that testimony and allow us to show the love and concern that you would have us to do as a church family and as a, as a family, Lord. And I, I just pray for there are others, Lord, who are going through various ailments, some who have testing and some who have surgeries and procedures coming up. 
uh, my wife included, tomorrow. I just pray, Lord, that you'll watch over and be with her. I just pray for Trinace and things that are coming up for her, for her mom as well, who's uh, suffering. We pray for uh, Sister Lola Spears and, and just the issues that, that are with her and just... Lord, there's a host of, of others who have various ailments of various degrees, and none of them are, are minor. We just think of Lawrence today with his back and other issues. Um, his mom, Lord, we pray for, for her as well. And uh, there are many things that concern us, Lord, but you are capable and you maintain in all of those. So we come and we pray to you. Strengthen your people. Allow us to continue to trust in you. We thank you for the series last Sunday and furthering this morning in terms of trust and uh, resisting fear. We pray that we'll walk in the fear of you and not in the fear of man or our own fears and that we will honor you in all that we do. Bless your people, your work here, and your work all over. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is a special day for us in the first time we're having a regular last Sunday of the month afternoon service with a fellowship meal in between morning and afternoon. So for some of us, it's going to be an extended day, but I trust that it won't be too long, won't be overbearing. We are used to having morning service and having evening service every Sunday. So we've gone to a new format of not having that every Sunday, but instead once a month having this afternoon service and uh, with a meal in between. So I want to express to you what the purpose of what we're doing. And you've heard the text read from Leviticus 23. You may just wonder, well, what was the point of that? Are, are, we, are we Israelites and are we to, to celebrate these uh, Old Testament uh, rituals and, and feasts? Well, the first thing I want to point out, if you look at the naming of them, what are they called? They are called... Uh, feasts. I like that term. Feasts. I like that. That means I get to eat. <laughs> um, it, it means it's a celebration of things. And I want you to notice that God ordered his people to do things and to do it in a way to cause them to remember his working in their life on a regular basis. And one of the great ways to do that is to eat a meal. <laughs> I believe in eating every day, amen? <laughs> and I'm religious about that. I, I keep it up whether I need it or not. Um, but God said, take into your meals, and we're going to look at six feasts that they had throughout the year that they were to use to celebrate and to remember and to minister to each other during this time. And so I've selected this passage so that we might think about what it is we're doing. We're not just slapping a meal together and, 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 and doing it without any purpose. There is a very purposeful reason for us. We are going to uh, look at how we function together as a church as a body of Christ. An important aspect of that is for us to eat together. And so um, I'm glad God's word says a lot about eating. 
<laughs> I, that's one of my favorite pastimes is to eat. I enjoy doing that. I look forward to our meal together. But there's a reason why God allows us to eat and to enjoy. That's something that we're going to do in heaven. Did you realize that? That's something that we're going to do in heaven. I want to talk a little about that at the end of this message. And I want you to kind of yeah, uh, think about that as we go through. Uh, first of all, notice in Leviticus 23, um, God gives this to Moses and he says, explain this to the people. And he says, he starts off the middle of verse 2, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord. Now, two things I mentioned already, I want to emphasize, feasts, these are feasts, right? And they're of the Lord. And so he wants us to celebrate in this way. Now, I think we have some misconceptions about feasts and meals, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that when we get over there. But today, let's, uh, right now, let's just focus on this. He, say, he starts off in verse 3 saying, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. Um, he starts off by saying, look, I want to talk about these six yearly feasts that you do, but every week of every year, you're going to have a time of a Sabbath. Now, we know that Sabbath is, is a time where, where uh, we, we cease from work, but we also worship. So um, we, we break up our regular routine of, of, of working, and we take some time out to worship. And there's a principle, there's a very important principle here. This is not just for the people of Israel, but there's a principle that God set. We know that he set that principle because we know in Genesis, when he created, he created in six days, and he made a point of saying, on the seventh day I rest. Now, God doesn't get tired, so he doesn't need to rest. He's of infinite strength and power, so he needs no break in action like we do. Why does he rest? What does he do? He sets a principle for us. I want you to go back to Exodus 23. Now, we're going to look at many passages, but um, Leviticus 23 is our main. And if you can go back with me for a moment to Exodus 23. Starting at verse 10, it says... I use this passage because it also talks about the feast of the Lord, and it, it talks about three main feasts, and the six feasts that we're going to look are all part of those three main feasts. But I want to look at verse 10 because it starts out the same way. For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow. So he talks about the Sabbath of years. And he gives us the purpose. Look at the purpose there. Verse 11, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat. And what they leave, the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. 
continue in that same process. Verse 12, six days you should do work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Here's the purpose, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. I like that. There's a principle there for us today saying there is six days to do work, but take a point on the seventh day to rest. Now you say we don't have donkeys and ox, but, you know, we, we have machines and, and vehicles that do work for us. And there's the principle is you can't just work them 24-7. They're going to break down. You need to take a moment of rest. We would do well to do that and incorporate that in all parts of our life. God says, hey, you can't work yourself to death. You know, now, we, we, I don't think that, uh, you know, if I was the president of the United States or governor of Wisconsin, that as a Christian, I was set uh, um, that all people should worship on Sunday as the new Sabbath. I wouldn't set that as a law, as a rule, because it's God's people. But the principle is there is that you, God has instituted a time of work and a time of rest. And you do well to follow that. I notice many people, you know, we, we, we got some who are workaholics and, and I'm probably one of them. And if I don't make it a point to shut down, I'm going to shut down. <laughs> We need to recognize that you cannot work 24-7, day in and day out, and expect your body to function properly. You need some rest. God said the land needed rest. People needed rest. And so he said, do that. Take some rest. And so, you know, um, we come together on Sunday and we worship God. And, and that is refreshing for us. You notice what he said in, in, in that verse we just read, uh, verse 12, that your ox and donkey may have rest, okay? That's your bulldozer and all your equipment, you know, that you use on your regular business. It's got to have some maintenance and some rest tied into that, right? And the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. Now, some of us, you know, we, we don't have just like one full-time job. We have three part-time jobs. And we work on Saturdays and Sundays and Monday, Tuesday, and nights and evenings and early. And, but there's a principle that you need some rest. You can't keep going like that. You think, yeah, I got to make that dollar. I got to pay for this and pay for that. I understand that. But you got to take some rest. Now, some people I need to say the opposite to because some folks is resting six days and working one day and think they're doing something. There's a principle that God said. If God worked for six days, who are you to think you don't have to work? You need to be busy and doing what God would have you to do. And so, yes, you need to work. Yes, you need to rest. There's a principle there. And so God sets this principle as he begins to, to teach his people um, how they are to remember him. Now, I guess one of the things you're going to get from this is that we need to incorporate our thinking and our worship of God into everything that we do. And so he incorporated, look, in your every day, whether it's six years and then a day of rest, whether it's six days and then a day of rest, in everything that you do, incorporate my ways. Why? Because it's good for you. 
is profitable for you. God knows he made us. He knows how we function. He knows what we need, and he gives that to us in his word. And so here's a principle there. And then he goes on into these um, feast celebrations that they were to do. So let's go into that, back to Leviticus 23. By the way, um, if you're, if you're following along in Exodus, it's also mentioned there, verses 14 through 19. So uh, 14 through 17, you'll see a summary of feasts that they were to do. But you get more uh, detail in Leviticus, so that's why I'm going to it today. Leviticus uh, 23. Um, so let's look at these six feasts that are, 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 are mentioned in Leviticus 23. The first one was the... Um, it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And uh, it included the Passover and unleavened bread. It was the, fact, the first month of their calendar year and the 14th day they were to uh, observe the Passover. You remember the Passover. The Passover was to help them to remember God's wondrous salvation, his deliverance of them from Egypt. By the way, you say, well, what does that mean to us today? That's a picture of our spiritual salvation. God delivered us from the, uh, the, the, the slave master, Satan, and his reign over us. That's what Pharaoh was, you know. Pharaoh got tougher and tougher on God's people and said, okay, y'all complaining? Now I'm going to have you make the bricks, but I ain't going to provide you the materials. You go get them yourself. And, and so he was just an evil taskmaster. That's the picture of Satan. He will, he will burden us with stress, with worry, with, 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 with all the things that we are to do. God would have us to work, but not that way. And so that, that Passover was to remember God's deliverance of them from slavery. And it's a picture for us as believers today to remember God's deliverance from us, of us, from sin and the, hell, the hold that it had on us. The next one was, um, uh, so this first one is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It had the Passover and it had the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The reason why unleavened, leaven was, was just like we use yeast today in all our baking products. Uh, uh, least yeast allows it to rise and to, to, to allow uh, the, the dough or the bread to develop fully. The reason why they had unleavened bread, when they, they were in a rush getting out of Egypt, and they didn't have time to let the yeast rise, to let the leaven uh, arise so it would be unleavened. Um, and so they're reminded that God said, hey, let's go. <laughs> it's time to go right now. You got no time to fiddle around. It's time to go. So when he's delivering us, it's like a person delivering a, a family out of a building that's on fire. It's like, hey. You, 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 there may be a photo album that you just love and cherish, but I'm sorry, you ain't got time for that now. Your life is more important. Let's go. And God delivered his people in haste, and they left in haste because it was of utmost importance. God delivered you from sin. If you're saved today, God delivered you from sin, and you aren't to be reminiscing about all the stuff you used to do back then. Because he snatched you from that. He saved you from that. 
and that was doing no good for you. He has a new life for you. So they would remember that. And the unleavened bread made them remember how important and how vital and how much of an emergency that whole situation was. Do we forget? Do we think sometimes, God, I was okay. I just need you to help me out a little bit. No, God said you were dead in trespasses and sin. I was of no use to myself, totally unable to deliver myself. God snatched me out of sin. And I thank him for it. He wants you to remember it. And he gave him a meal to eat, a feast, to celebrate and to remember. So he said, when you're eating together at these special, this particular special setup, I want you to remember me. You know, it's a shame. Um, many people enjoy Thanksgiving dinner, and they're calling it everything but thanks. And they fail to remember and to think and to reflect on God's goodness. That's why we're supposed to pray before we eat, right? I, I, sometimes I get so hungry. I take a bite, and then I, uh-oh. I didn't pray. How ungrateful of me, right? My immediate needs come so much to focus in my mind that I'm not thinking about the one who gives me everything I have to enjoy. So he says, take some time out and celebrate. And notice and celebrate, it's a feast. You're supposed to enjoy this. Enjoy it together and reflect on God's goodness. So they had that feast. Let's, let's go through um, there's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, verses 5 through 8. Verses 9 through 14 is what's called the Feast of First Fruits. The Feast of First Fruits. Well, it's kind of like it sounds. The first thing that grew from the ground that they harvested, they were to present that first to the Lord. And they're just saying to the Lord, thank you for the abundance of harvest that you give. Now, most of us don't live in an agricultural environment, a farming type community, um, but they, we need to be reminded. You know how we remind ourselves <laughs> when we get our check, right? We take the first thing and we give to the Lord. That should remind us. Now, actually, there's somebody buttoning in on the Lord's work and the Lord's business before you even get your check. Somebody took some out of it already. That somebody is called Uncle Sam. Right. The government, they don't ask you. They don't say, would you like to give to this fund or that fund? They simply take and they don't even say thank you. At the end of the year, they say, hey, you ain't give enough. It's time to do your taxes and give us some more. That's what they tell me every year, every year. So God should be first in line, at least in our thoughts, even if we can't do it in actual experience. So what we say is, Lord, before I pay my rent, before I pay for my food, before I pay for those necessary things, I'm going to take a portion of what you give first before I even consider what bills I have. I'm going to consider I'm going to take that portion and I'm going to give to you. So the thing of first fruits was celebrating God's harvest. They recognize, and it's hard for us today in our culture, is, you know, we just go to pick, up, pick and save, and I get some lettuce, I get some 
uh, tomatoes and cucumbers and get those things and some salad dressing. I mix it all together and I have a salad. Now, y'all look at me, you know I don't eat much salad. <laughs> but I remember, we, we need to be reminded that these things grew, they didn't grow in my backyard, but somebody farmed them, somebody produced them. It's God who made the sun to shine and the rain to come down and the seed to germinate and those things to happen. They didn't just happen by accident or even automatically. God made that. And believers who believe in God know that he is the creator and the giver of all good things, recognize his goodness and say before you know, I enjoy all that I have. Let me recognize where it comes from. And so they had a feast of first fruits. Now they worshiped, but they ate together and they celebrated this time. They celebrated. You know, it's kind of like we do Memorial Day, 4th of July. We get out the grill, we barbecue, we enjoy our time together. There's nothing wrong with that. You need to do that. But I'm suggesting that you do it biblically in the sense of not forgetting the reason why you do what you do. They were to remind each other of why we do this feast where they help them remind themselves of why they did what they did. The third thing mentioned is verse 15 through 22. It's called the Feast of Weeks. Um, and it's also about the harvest. It was to be done 50 days after the first fruit. And, you know, you read all of that detail and information, and it's not the detail that I really want to get into. I want to get it in the overall picture. Uh, this Feast of, of Weeks, again, celebrated the harvest and that God was the giver of all the good things that they had, the things that they were needed, needed to eat and to function and to live by. God gave that. By the way, that includes not just food, but our medicine also is derived, often is derived from plants and the food that, that's grown or the plants that are grown. And so all these things that are instrumental in our lives, God gives. God produces them for us. And so we recognize that. The fourth thing in verses 23 on is, is a feast of trumpets. And though there's the feast of trumpets, the day of atonement and the feast of booths. And all these were in the seventh month of their year. And it, it basically celebrated that the atonement the atonement that was given. Once a year, the priest, the high priest was to go into the temple or the tabernacle or the Holy of Holies, and he was to make atonement for the people. And so this day of atonement was, was to be done, and it was, an, it was an solemn and awesome day, but surrounding that was a feast of trumpets and the feast of booths. And the Feast of, of Trumpets was started with, you know, the fanfare of trumpets. And it reminded them that God makes atonement for sin. And they were to celebrate that. And they were actively to be involved in that every year. So each of these feasts were to be celebrated every year. And again, it was a reminder to them. The Feast of Booths was a reminder that the people of Israel lived in booths or tents when God took them out of Egypt while they were waiting to go into the promised land. They lived in tents, in booths. And so they would construct these little tents around and remind themselves. It's kind of like, you know, camping out in your backyard. You say, why camping out in my backyard when I got 
cable TV, I got Wi-Fi, I got air conditioning, I got all that stuff inside. Why well, camp out in my backyard? So, well, to remind yourself that, that, hey, this is where God saved you from. So if you were an Israelite, you'll realize that, hey, we wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. It didn't have to be 40 years, but because of our sin, it became 40 years. Should have been an 11-day journey. Um, but God preserved us. He, 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 he kept us. And he prospered us. And now we are in our own land. You know, sometimes I drive around the city. I like to drive around my old house. When I go back to my hometown, I drive where I, I grew up as a little boy. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. When, you, when you're older, things look so small now. They look, you get a true picture when you were a little kid. You know, you thought it was so big. It was so great. It was so fantastic. Now I'm like, whoa. <laughs> That's where we grew up. I'm glad they tore that house down. Uh, <laughs> you you, 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 you want to go back to your beginning. You want to realize with humility what God has brought you from. That's why we have pictures today. That's why we send so much stuff on Facebook. And we're trying to, or we should be, gather these memories. Why? So that we will remember what God has done and be reminded of what God is doing. So on that note, that's why I want us to gather together more often as a church. And so I've said, hey, we're going to start off with once a month. Now, it might go to once every other month as we get going. I don't know, but we'll see how that goes. But we want to have purposeful time together where we can share a meal together. Now, God told the people of Israel, turn with me real quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. He's reminding them of the things that he taught them, and he's saying, I want you to remember this and teach it to your children. Look at verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Now, he doesn't say when you eat, but he's saying there, the essence is all during the day. Look, it's not just a Sunday morning church thing. I want you to remind yourself of the goodness of God all during the day. If you're a carpenter and you stub your thumb on, on, on a hammer, on a nail, and you say, ow, remind yourself God is the one that allows you to have feeling in that finger and for you to have pain. My father-in-law was in the hospital. During the hospital, he had a time where he had no feeling on, the, on one side of his body. Reminded that it's good to have feeling even when it hurts. The goodness of God, all during the day, you need to remember your dependency on God and his goodness. You need to think through that. And so as he says, remind your children on every day uh, uh, process, remind yourselves and remind your children of what I've done and what I'm doing, lest they forget, lest they forget. Now, some of us think that we need to have 
these huge, long devotions. I'm not against devotion. I remember growing up as a kid, my father would, would have devotions with us. He would insist that we have our own personal devotion before we eat breakfast or before I could pour my bowl of cornflakes. I had a daily bread thing that I had to read in the Bible. Now, that's given me discipline for today. I understand that. That's been helpful to me. But one of the things that you would want to incorporate is a daily process through your daily living of who God is and what he's done. Find ways to remind yourself through everyday living and worship and praise God throughout the day. One of the ways to do that is through music, isn't it? When you leave this place, you're going to, it happens to me all the time, maybe because I play the music, but I am going to tomorrow, all of a sudden, without me thinking about it, a song and the music is going to pop up in my mind. Then I'm going to remember where it's from, and then I'm going to try to remember all the words, and I'm going to worship and meditate on that as I go through. I'm going to hum that. I'm going to sing it. I'm going to do my own solo rendition of it. I'm going to be singing in the shower. I'm going to be singing as I work. I'm going to be doing. And that's what God wants you to do. Remind yourself of his goodness on a daily basis regularly. And now he wants us to do that. And one of the great ways to do that is to eat together. You don't have to answer this out loud, but you think, how often in your unit, your family unit, do you eat together? Or do you all get your own separate bites to eat and go in your own place and do, do your thing. Many of us, you know, we got the phone and our headset on and we doing all this while we eating, you know. And I would suggest that you take some time out. And that's why we're going to take it as a church. That we come together and we fellowship and eat together. I know why we don't do that. You know why we don't do it sometimes? It's not easy. It's not convenient. We got to deal with every, everybody's pettiness. You know, she don't like salt on her beans, and he don't like beans at all, and he got to have this drink, and she got to have that drink, and, and oh, boy, he like his hot, he like his cold, and it's just all the workings of that. But, hey, guess what? That's life. <laughs> That's life. That's how we have to deal with each other. And so we want to remind ourselves to make it a practice to live connected, not disconnected, connected. Do that personally as a family. That may be one of the goals that you take from, from God's word here to do today. How are you going to do that? What way are you going to put that into practice for you and for your family in an enjoyable way. I'm reminded these were feasts. I don't know too many people who don't like eating, right? We might like eating different things, but we like eating. God says, enjoy as you fellowship and worship and reflect on me. Enjoy. And also, the fact that it's a feast and, and, and the fact that it involves eating suggests that it needs to be done on a regular basis. Now, these were six feasts, and they were to be done throughout the year. That, if you average that out, that's one every other month, right? And so and he, he started off by saying that's besides the Sabbath. Every week you are to remember this. And then in your home every day. 
And so he wants us to incorporate this into our regular life. Now, let me just share a few more things um, in, in a practical way. And, and this is going to come from the New Testament. So take a look with me in John, John chapter 13. read that first verse. You can tie into what's saying. Now, before the feast of the Passover, kind of sets the setting, right? When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, ah, kind of getting with me now, right? You kind of develop the, con the, 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 the context here. Okay? Feast of the Passover, right? During supper. During this time of this Passover meal, he begins to share with his disciples. He starts off by, in this passage, washing their feet. He does this immediately after this this, this time together in eating. Jesus had real communion with his disciples, and he strengthened that communion as they ate together, and he did something that just kind of rocked Peter. Basically, said, hey, man, take off your shoes. And I like, dude, really? I'm going to take my shoes off? He said, yeah, I'm going to wash, wash my feet? I ain't going to let you do that. Jesus was serious about it, and he did that. It showed the closeness. It showed the, the connectedness that he desired around his apostles. So he washes his feet. I'm gonna just going to browse through a couple of things so you get the idea. In verse 21, after this washing of the feet, he announces that Judas is going to betray him. We see that in verse 21. In verse 30 of John 13, Judas leaves. So this meal seems to be in preparation for the Passover meal that they're going to eat together. But because you can see that in um, in uh, verse twenty-seven and so forth. Um, and in verse 29, some thought that because G Judas had the money back, Jesus was telling him, buy what you need, what we need for the feast. So they're preparing for this Passover meal. But in any regard, Judas leaves, and now the tone changes. They're centered around this meal, and Judas leaves. And Jesus begins to share with his true disciples now. Look at verse 36. I'm in John 13, verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about his death. He's going to be crucified. And he says to Peter, you, you, you're not going to follow me now, but later on you will. And in fact, Peter himself was crucified like Jesus. But let's continue. 
Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the, roster, the, the rooster will not crow till you've denied me three times. So he begins to share with his disciples, and he gets more intimate with them in chapter 14. You can see what he says there. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And all the way through the end of chapter 17, he speaks and he prays for, and speaks to and prays for his disciples. In chapter 18 and 19, we see his trial and his crucifixion. Chapter 20, his resurrection. And chapter 21, I want you to focus on. This is sandwiched between what I call two meals. <laughs> the first meal where he washed his feet. And now after his resurrection, in chapter 21, A group of disciples with Peter, the leader, saying, hey, we're going back to the old life. They were discouraged. But Jesus met them there. He, this is after his resurrection. So join with me on verse 4. Just as day was breaking, well, to put it in context, verse 3, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. He's a professional. Peter was a professional fisherman. He knew what he was doing, but he caught nothing. He was discouraged, tried to return to his old way of life, and he found no success there. And then Jesus meets them. Verse 4, just as, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. He said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped uh, for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land but about 100 yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid, on it, laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. What's Jesus doing? Before they even got there, he already had fish prepared. He had a meal prepared and he was ministering to them they were discouraged. They were thinking about giving up. And he had a meal prepared and he began to minister to Peter. Now you can read the rest of the story, but I want to give you context of how he used that meal to soften the hearts and to minister to his disciples and challenge them with some important things and some tough things that he had to say to them. He did that around a meal. And then I want to wrap things up by you looking at this. In Revelation chapter 19, turn it with me. In Revelation 19, you're going to find there's two great feasts. This shows a couple things that <clears throat> a meal is an important thing throughout history, and Scripture reflects that. And you're going to be invited to one meal or the other. 
one great feast or another. The first one in Revelation 19 is verse 6 through 9. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. <clears throat> it's what the voices are saying. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the linen, the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Verse 9, the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who, who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. He says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be a great celebration, including a supper or a feast. That's called a marriage supper that is going to put together the bride and the groom. The groom is Jesus Christ. The bride is those who trust in him called the church. And it's this marriage supper that the angel says, blessed are those who are invited to that. By the way, it's invitation only. The invitation goes out, but you need to respond to it. And if you don't, you will miss the great celebration. He says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said to me, true that. <laughs> That's what the angel said to John. <laughs> he said, you got that right. That's something. This is a feast that you don't want to miss. In the same chapter, there's another feast. In verse 11, then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. There's no doubt about it. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll see it clearly as you move on. His eyes are like a flame of fire and his head are, on his head are many diadems. Those are crowns. And his name he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. It makes it clear. He's, he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Jesus paid for my sin, for the sins of those who trusted him with his own blood. In John 1, he's called the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. In John 1, 14, it says this word became flesh. So this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, and armies and the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword by which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his side he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You say, what about that feast? 
Well, here it is. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God. That's the feast. The birds are invited. What's on the menu? Verse 18, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. Jesus is king of kings and lords of lo lord of lords. He is going to come and take, make his attack on all those who oppose him. He says all great and small, kings, servants, everyone in between. The angel is announcing the mighty judgment and wrath of God. But he announces it as a meal. It's a meal for the vultures. It's a meal for all the birds. It's a meal for them to feast on the dead bodies that remain. I know that's not a pleasant picture. It's not meant to be pleasant, but it's a picture of reality. There are the contrast of feasts. One is a feast in heaven where God invites his people to come and enjoy a relationship that they will have with Jesus anew for all of eternity and enjoy all the blessings that comes with that. The other is the contrast for all who don't have a part in the marriage supper of the Lamb will be destroyed by God himself. This is God's word. We don't make this up. This is God's truth. And it says you have a chance to have a meal and to share with God. And he enjoys fellowshipping with his people, but those who aren't a part of that will be utterly destroyed and be food for the beasts. We're going to close our service today, and I just want to remind you that God wants to be a part of every part of your life. And these reminders of these feasts point that out. There's no mundane part of your life that God should not be a part of or uninvited to. He wants us to fellowship in true fellowship. And one of the great ways to do that is through eating together. What couple who shared love together have not first started with a regular meal together to get to know one another? And what couple has not reinforced that bond on a regular basis by coming together at a pleasant gathering and eating? Relationships are fostered over a meal. And I pray that God will help holy and righteous and good, wholesome relationships between his people to be fostered through the meals that we have together and the indication of how we are to grow close 
in everything, in every aspect of our life, not just meeting together on Sunday and then that's it, but to join together with the people that we're going to be joined throughout eternity with and learn to work through those fellowships together for the goodness, for the glory of God and the goodness of his people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Jesus is going to invite us, he's inviting us to that great supper of all of eternity where we're part of the wedding party. We're actually the bride that he has made special by his own blood. But he looks forward to communing with us. So I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the Old Testament reminder of how we can use meals and regular times together to remember what you're doing and what you have done for us. We can remind each other and encourage each other with our get-togethers. So we pray now, Lord, for this mealtime, that we would use it for your glory. We pray, Lord, that those who come have responded or will respond to your invitation to be a part of your family and to share and sit, sit down and share a meal with you, and to commune with you on a regular basis. That's possible through trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray and we encourage and we look, Lord, that you might move in the hearts of people to trust Christ today. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be dismissed now. Let's give ourselves just a short time of fellowship in here. Um, five minutes or so. And then we'll direct ourselves right over to the fellowship hall. Immediately upon entering the fellowship hall, let's take a seat and get further instructions. We'll have time to fellowship as we go. But once we get in there, let's take a seat and then we'll uh, convene our schedule. Thank you.